allow me to brag just a little bit. My cousin, more like my big brother, became an aeronautical engineer after graduating from Tuskegee and receiving a master's degree at MIT. Let me tell you, our family is so proud of what he has accomplished in his 20-plus professional career as an engineer. I did a deep dive and found out about the engineering course. Students are required to have good analytical skills, critical thinking, and most of all, problem-solving abilities. And then there are so many fields of engineering. Let's just go through the list. Computer science, electric and civil engineering, solar and wind engineering, and my cousin's lane is aerospace, AKA flying planes. That's right, my brilliant cousin knows how planes fly. And what a wonderful skill to acquire and learn, the science behind flying. Not like Superman or Supergirl, these fictional characters that exist in our collective childhood. No, it's understanding the science and systems, the problem solving, the analytics it takes to build lasting products or processes. How about using your engineering skills to help people develop the science and systems revolving around their everyday lives? Meet Bakar Bay, a brilliant engineer, educator, and accountability coach who is currently using his engineering background to help coach people to have better habits in everyday living. And I believe you'll learn to love his habit to greatness style. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by our national sponsor, Certified Dream Builder Coach Glass. It's never too late to create the life of your dreams. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. everyone welcome to another edition of interludes and you know what it's always great to talk to people that are about education and about their business that's exciting he is the founder and ceo of his company habit to greatness llc and serves as a habit and accountability coach he is an educator an engineer and a loving uncle from what i've seen guys welcome bakar bay how are you doing on today Hello, Val. I am, as I said, at peace this morning. I'm excited to be here and have, have this conversation with you about gratitude and whatever else you have in store for me today. Exactly, exactly. I wanted to kind of peel back the onion a little bit and find out more about you. One thing I found out is that you like anime. What? <laughs> oh, man, you really did do your research. <laughs> okay, we can start there. We'll start I there. Am... Mm-hmm. I am a huge, huge fan of the uh, series uh, called One Piece. And um, ah. the creator, I can't think of his last name, but he go, he's hes known by the community as Oda. And it's just, okay. he's written a phenomenal story about, you know, a young boy on his own pirate journey who wants to be king of the pirates and live the most free life on the whole planet. 
right? And uh, I really, really, really connect with that. And so have been in, um, actually that, that story came into my life at one of the, the lowest points in my life. Oh. You know, when I was in college, just fighting for, fighting to complete my undergraduate degree. Yeah, and what I, what I was thinking that was so remarkable about you, what, things that you have in common with some of my family members. Uh, my, one of my cousins is an aeronautical engineer, but he's more on the project management side of things. Mm -hmm. So when I was like, let me find out about Bakar. Oh my gosh, he's an engineer, which means he's extremely smart because that's numbers. I'm not good with numbers. I'm the creative one. So when okay. you were making your decision to say, you know what? I'm going to study engineering. What went into that? As I've shared in, in other stories, I didn't really have a clear idea of what I wanted to do with engineering. I just knew I like math, science, um, numbers and people. And so when I applied to colleges, I was looking to study architecture because I like the design aspect and the beauty that you create with architecture. Mm -hmm. I like engineering because engineers were solving problems. Right. Mm -hmm. They were taking they were taking numbers, but creating practical solutions from ideas. And then I also wanted to study psychology or education because I always had an idea that whatever I created in my life, I wanted to improve the quality of life for people. So I really wanted to understand people and their needs because um, man, I, I felt like I grew up in a bubble. I grew up, you know, sheltered. The experience that I had was not the kind of conversations that I was having out in the world. So being able to bring some of that, you know, knowledge, experience, wisdom that I was getting at home or in my faith community, uh, I imagine, you know, creating a world around those principles and being able to do it through like engineering, through architecture in some way. But I realized, man, those are really, for me, later, it really just turned out, those were just expressions of what I saw I wanted to produce in people. Right, that I wanted people to be the architects of their own life. I wanted people to have the skills to be able to solve the problems and create the solutions that they needed for their lives and to better understand themselves uh, so that they can serve themselves in the healthiest and happiest and most positive ways. But I had no clue about that at 17 when I went to college. So <laughs> it well, was I just shooting darts or shooting arrows in the direction that my, my heart was was carrying me. Well, you know what? I I am a huge fan of a different world. And your your walk kind of reminds me of Dwayne Wayne. I know he's a fictional character, wonderfully and brilliantly played by the actor Kadeem Hardison. Love it. And he was a major, I think his major was engineering, and he did a pivot in his career because he was teaching. He used to mm. deal with Whitley, because you know, him and Whitley was doing things there at, at the fictional Hillman College. And I'm just wondering what lessons have you learned that helped you transition from engineer to now an accountability coach? Wow. So, man, that's, that's really good. That's a really great question. So I would say the foundations of engineering mm -hmm. are first understanding the problem. Okay. That engineering and what, what really drew me into it, the identity as an engineer was the process of design. Ah. That engineers are focused on designing solutions to fit specific needs. And they're, 
you know, hundreds of solutions that you can come up with. But what's what's the right solution with the resources that you have available with, you know, the time, the money and the people made available to you. Right. Because we may come up with a solution that may not be viable for another hundred years. We could come up with a solution that's outdated, but it's still tried and true. Right. Like nobody's inventing the wheel, reinventing the wheel, because that has been you know, optimize, if you would, for, for what we, what we're looking for. Maybe we'll come up with other, you know, you see like the, the spirit, spherical wheels that can allow you to go, you know, different directions. So maybe somebody's going to, somebody's looking ahead, but uh, what, what it was really with engineering was just understanding or getting to the point where I could, I realized I could, I can create practical solutions and I can design them from scratch. I can start with the problem and get to a series of solutions that are actually help people you know moving forward yeah and that's i didn't i've never made the connection that engineering and accountability and kind of that whole world of would connect together and that's fascinating to me it it was it was a very interesting journey so (laughs) like for me with engineering a lot of times i found that the focus for the majority of the disciplines of engineering were on products or processes. Okay. It was on creating things and stuff. I was people oriented and I didn't see enough engineering with people until I got exposure to the industrial systems realm where I was introduced to, to human factors, you know, in ergonomics, right? And that's the space in engineering where they design with people in mind. And to me, I was like, why is it this foundational in engineering? And that's where, that's part of the accountability. Why is it, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who constantly sees the gaps. I think in engineering, it's important for that. Hey, we've got a problem. Okay, well, how do we fill in? How do we ensure that we don't create failures in our solution? That's why, you know, when bridges are are built, when air, airplanes, and I think in a, something that I really learned and I liked about aerospace engineering is that they have the highest factors of safety uh-huh. in any industry. Mm-hmm. So if an airplane goes down, it's either a human error or an engineering error. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, now, granted, there, there are other, you know, natural causes could be, you know, a hurricane or something. like. But we have to design with all of those things in mind from the aerospace, because if a plane fails, there's a lot of lives on the line. If a bridge fails, you know, maybe a few less, you know, if a, if a lamp fails, right, because those are engineering, there's probably nobody getting hurt. Depending, but with with aircraft, that was something that I really learned in the aerospace industry was that lives are on the line every time you fail in your design. Oh, wow. And so that level of accountability in the work that you do, I realized, man, that also, when I look at the the systems and the structures that we we operate in socially and economically, Mm -hmm. if I were engineering it, oh man, we got a lot of failures. Yeah. (laughs) And one failure that I saw come to light last year was kind of not necessarily a failure, but just it was in our face uh, with the George Floyd um, situation Mm. that happened. And in 2020, it just seemed like it just kind of exploded Mm -hmm. Uh, in your world. How did that affect you as a black man? Just 
literally seeing because we know this has been happening but then mm-hmm. it was in everyone's face and then we it was we went on protest watch or we were out there what how was your 2020 dealing with that brianna taylor and then the the list is on and on so for me growing up you know in the late 80s and the 90s police brutality was par for the course Mm-hmm. Right. Unfortunately, it was it was the narrative in, in in many ways still is. It's what my parents talked about. They went through. It's what my grandparents talked about. They went through. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a surprise. It I think with George Floyd. The impact, because it was within a moment where everyone in the world was dealing with a global crisis. Right. That all eyes was on were everywhere. All of our eyes, all of our attention were kind of on the same things. And then this to me, the George Floyd incident and, and many of those others from, you know, over the last decade were, you know, it, we've seen it year after year after year. But with this incident, it really felt like all eyes on the world were on it. And it was such a blatant violation of, of human life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm saying, wait. They're just, I mean, it was, it was, it was such a shock. Like, wait, this is really happening on that level. It just, it wasn't visible. It wasn't that real where everybody said, oh no, that's wrong. Where everyone around the world could see, oh no, that was wrong. It was a question. Well, what did he do to get in that situation? Like, it was like, no matter what he did, what we see with our eyes, with our, hear with our ears, what our senses are telling us, everything about that is wrong. And the challenge with that is helping those who were unaware see that it's been a systemic issue and not a one-off. Right. You know, for me personally, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of times I've been desensitized mm-hmm. because of the the normalcy of it. And for those that don't know, I, I went to Virginia Tech during the mass shooting there. And that was a moment in my life where, I, man, life is precious. Wow. You life were in is, school. Wait, you were I in was, school when that happened? I was in school when that happened. Wow. How did you all process that? How did you process <laughs> that? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here like, I'm, I don't know anyone down there, but when did this? Yeah, so how did how did you all deal with that? I, I It's really difficult to put in words, but I say overall, you know, our, our Virginia Tech Hokie Nation pulled together. We united all across, all across the country, all across the globe. Um, everyone, you know, I think that ever gone through that institution felt, wow, that was my university. That's my community. That was, you know, regardless of what my experiences were there, I could never imagine that happening on our campus. I could never imagine it happening, something like that happening when I was there. And for me, it was really sobering. It was actually the same week of, of my 21st birthday. So it was one of those like major moments in your life where you're expecting, oh man, I'm I'm getting into a new level of adulthood. And for me, it, it taught me a new level of responsibility. It's saying, man, I have to do something with my life because at any moment it could be cut short. Yeah, at any moment. Yeah, and that's, that's, oh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that was kind of what I went through. I moved to New York three months before September 11th. Oh man. And so I, you understand. I completely understand because I, I that shell shocked me for weeks afterwards, and 
what I was hearing from my parents at the time were like, please move back home. Don't get on a plane, but please move back home. And I was thinking, I, I'm, I'm here and I don't want to be terrorized out of the choice that I made to live in New York. I don't want to be terrorized out of that choice. And so, yeah, I totally understand that. Um, it, it definitely I, took community pulling together uh, to really understand that moment in our history. And if you think about, you know, from 2007 and how much more, I think, prevalent, you know, mass shootings and, and even any sort of like public, it, it just seems to be a lot more visible, a lot more normal, a lot more like, oh, this is okay. Not okay, mm-hmm. but it gave a lot of people permission to express themselves in, you know, in those very, very violent ways. Um, whether it was, I don't, it was, it was a really hard moment to process because from that moment forward, any sort of, it was like, wow, this is, this is adding up. This is continuing. This is becoming more normal. Um, and so for me, like the loss of life is not, it's not that I don't value it. Actually, I value life very, very, very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of what, what drives my accountability. You know, my, my aim is to be accountable and to teach and, and lead others uh, in their personal lives, in their professional lives, uh, in their business lives, to be more accountable leaders in itself, to take ownership of their decisions because every decision we make, right? The decision that one gentleman, one, one young man made and some people don't count him among the victims, but the failures that happened that created him and the impact of his of that event on others around the globe, right? Mm-hmm. Each and every one of us, every decision that we make could have a, a massive global impact. George Floyd, again, a massive global impact, whereas mm-hmm. some may look, you know, locally, it was an incident. Uh, within the state, it was an incident. Within this country, it was an incident. But it became an incident known globally, mm-hmm. right? So we never know what's what magnitude of impact our decisions are going to have. And we really have. I really believe that we have to act as if there are always eyes on us, and learn to be our natural our natural selves when the mm-hmm. eyes are on us. Right. And that's something we, that we talked about in our coaching, you know, uh, with with DISC and other different ways is, is being natural, being adaptive and recognizing, you know, when the conditions are causing us to, to not be ourselves. Growing awareness in that and um, really working to be the best version of ourselves, no matter what, no matter who's looking or no one's looking. I was thinking you have an awesome responsibility for um, teaching, because I said you're an educator, teaching and tutoring, I want to say our young, our younger, our young generation that's, be- that's behind us, that's coming up. And what has been your challenge in, I'm assuming, tutoring or teaching math science <laughs> all of that because I'm telling you the when after I got out of trigonometry and I what I think I did finite math in college mm-hmm. like I knew all right I am not going in the math direction I knew that for myself mm. but for kids educating and, and teaching like how do you navigate that and what's been your challenges with teaching oh, man. um I navigate teaching math 
in a way that I, I realize that a lot of children aren't taught math in a way that makes it real to them. Mm-hmm. It's it's mostly conceptual. It's not made tangible. You know, even when they're given word problems and things like that that they could connect, I don't feel like the connections are really being made. For me, you know, I grew up, you know, counting the signs on the street or, you know, the mile markers and measuring how long it takes to get here and then coming up with rates of change. You know, like my, my brain always worked like math was was a way that I could measure and manage life. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we all got 24 hours in a day. What does that mean? Well, me, an hour is 60 minutes, man. What could I do with 60 minutes? of my time, what could I do with 20 minutes? What could I do with 30 minutes? How would I like to spend that time, mm-hmm. all right? How would I like to invest that time? What would I wanna do with those? And so for me, like numbers is a gateway, you know, it's it's understanding physics about, you know, how your body works. It's a gateway to understanding, you know, your chemistry and how, you know, either your, the chemical responses to your brain, it's understanding, I think most importantly, conservation of energy. Right. And that sounds like a big thing that we learn in physics, but but everything that we experience in life is based on energy. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. Everything that's already in the universe, is it already exists. Everything that's ever going to be in the universe it already exists. All we are doing is transferring that energy in different ways. And so how we utilize our energy day to day, our effort, you know, our thoughts, our words, all of that to me can be mathematically Calculate. For example, how many times have you heard, and you probably can't put a number to it, but when you ask somebody the question, how are you doing today? And they say something to the effect of, you know, I'm all right, or I can't complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's hundreds of thousands of times you've heard that, yeah. Hundreds of thousands of times you may hear that. Now think about what that does to your psyche when you hear that so many times how normal it becomes Mm -hmm. and how easy it can be to simply accept that's what life is. As opposed to, let's say instead you heard people say, oh man, I'm great. I'm phenomenal. My day couldn't be better. I'm at peace. I'm joyful. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm wealthy. I'm focused. Just imagine how that would change your outlook, your environment, your interactions. (laughs) <laughs> simply by the number of times the regu- the frequency right mm-hmm. the regularity in which you heard that but many people aren't aware that we're going about doing those things to ourselves and mm-hmm. to each other mm-hmm. so that's that's i know that was that was a lot <laughs> but that's the world of numbers for me mm. right there's there's some hit there's so many hidden lessons in mathematics um that the solutions are plentiful, mm-hmm. right? If you simply know how to rearrange the pieces to look a way that's to look and lead you to the answers that you're looking for. Like a puzzle. Like a puzzle, right? Ah. Hmm. Math is, is really just a puzzle. It's a way to unscramble the world around you. Uh, somebody say, hey man, how do I, how do I improve my, my belief or how do I improve my confidence? Tell yourself you're confident a hundred times a day. That's the math of it. That's the math of it, right? If you <laughs> were to boil it down to yes. a number. Because <laughs> I promise you, after you say it a hundred times, at some point you're going to start believing it. 
and start acting it out. I choose to definitely say to myself, because I know how many times it comes up in my mind, a doubt, a fear, something that talks against the confidence that I'm trying to build up. So in the morning, I'm kind of repeating uh, Psalm 139. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I can do all things. And I have to just kind of repeat those things in my, in myself. And then when I do these affirmations, I find that my day goes a lot better. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's phenomenal to me to know math even <laughs> plays a part in building your confidence. I love that concept. One thing that I've found out is everybody needs a great support system. I'm I'm Absolutely. getting I'm grading I'm developing a great support system in some of my business partners and people that I I work with and we refer people. What I was finding out about you is that you have a great support system in your siblings, Maurice and Magia. Yeah, so Maurice is is my brother-in-law. He's married to my older sister. Magia is my my sibling, uh, my sister. And at the end of 20, no, 2000, yeah, 2019, mm-hmm. um, Maurice approached us, you know, as entrepreneurs in our family mm-hmm. to establish a, a mastermind group, see a mastermind group where, you know, I know he recognized what he was missing was community people to get together for that support, encouragement, accountability, and recognition. We came together, my sister working in the financial industry as well as in, um, in construction. She's actually, you know, becoming a, a general contractor. She's a pioneer in many ways. Her finally really stepping into her own gifts and talents, you know, it's 15 years in the industry. She's taking those things that she's learned and being able to bring it to a, an environment and do it in a way that I know nobody else before her has ever done. I noticed that the Sear Mastermind, I think, started just before you started Habit to Greatness. So was that, were they the ones, along with others, that say, yeah, you should start Habit to Greatness and what can't, what, Tell me how you came up with the title and how it came fully about at the beginning of this year for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I I would absolutely say, though, that first and foremost, SEER saved my life. Mm. It saved my life. Um, I was at a crossroads in my business. I was actually working with my sister in the financial industry, but I didn't feel like I was really giving the people I was working with all of the value that I could bring. Mm -hmm. Right. That we were focusing on financial plans and solutions, but there were certain human habits, human values that I knew that I could address with people, mm-hmm. but my my job or my business, my responsibility to the business that I created weren't really allowing me room uh, to exercise. Not in the ways that I knew that I could, I could give more to people where the financial piece would come easy once they saw the other things that they needed to get in alignment with their lives, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm all about making life simple, right? Just the engineer, we're not, we're not, trying to make complicated solutions. We want to make simple solutions that anybody can implement and execute, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, SEER was actually the push that I needed. And the pandemic actually also, you know, was that push out of the out of the crib, out of the nest. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> to say, Stop you know what? <laughs> the world is changing. 
and we don't know when it's going to go back mm -hmm. what life do i want to build from here forward what life do i want to create and so i had started doing some some work toward the coaching but i really didn't know how i would organize it um a year later it really just came together that i know people need accountability and many don't know what that is you know and so what could i do with what i had already put together for my coaching and then i got with a coach a gentleman that i met during um you know eric thomas's 120 conference mm -hmm. a virtual conference last year or this year okay and we just we sat and talked to him, man what is the change that you you're hoping to create with people well i'm hoping to i want to teach them how to change their habits to be able to you know access or reach the greatness in them and he was like habit to greatness well together we came up with that habit to greatness and it works now that you know habit to greatness h2g nation you know everybody who's come through the program are like raving fans of what we do in the community because many people aren't aware that man if you can you can take control of your mindset right and that's why i say do the math you've got the mindset the attitude time management and habits right i say do the math to be able to create the life that you want but it starts with your mindset but I think for years, maybe decades, we've been learning about mindset, but there haven't been enough examples of mindset in action, applied mindset. Like, oh yeah, my mindset is such, but my actions aren't matching up with that. My actions aren't aligning with that. And so with Habit to Greatness, it's taking, okay, this is the mindset, but how does that translate into real life? It's through your habits. It's the things that you do the most, the things that you do consistently, the things you do with repetition the things that you do repeatedly are really we're gonna you know contribute to 80 95 percent of the life that you have right the habits you create are going to have a great impact on the life the small habits you can change small things that can have a really great impact because it opens up a whole new world of options and opportunities to you simply by saying no to some things and saying yes to others yeah, I, I'm starting to say no. I'm starting to say yes to green things and no to haagen That's been my walk. <laughs> That's what's been happening I love with it. me. <laughs> I love it. And if you um, get around enough people who are saying yes to green things and no to haagen guess what? You're going to probably have results that are similar to those people who are eating more green things. Exactly. Your word for 2021 is finish. How's that been going for you? Have you been finishing well in your life and, and what areas have you felt the most accomplishment for 2021? I really appreciate this question and the amount of research that you did. I feel like you somehow you dug into my inner thoughts. <laughs> You're making me blush. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I see that you do what you do on a high level. And I, I really, I want to just let you know that I value and appreciate that. Um, because for many of us, like it's important and we may not express it all the time, but to be known for our stories and our journeys to be shared. And I'm, you can throw me at the top of that list. I'm like, I, I want people to know what I did when I was here. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, one of the things that I learned, and I'm one of those people who may have a, a lot of ideas, but I struggled in executing because I was attempting to do it all at once. I was like, ah, we got to, we have to do all of this 
and not everything is for us. Not everything is for us. And so mm -hmm. um, my word for the year this year was been all of the things it's, it's to really close the book and not just close the chapter, but close the book on the things that were left open. All right. To finish the things that I've started so that this new chapter of my life, this new novel that I'm writing, this new identity that I'm stepping into as an entrepreneur, as an educator, as a coach, uh, as a philanthropist and all of these things I see as a father, as a husband, as a and all of these different things that I'm stepping into. I don't have any of the baggage from the past coming along with me. And so my focus this year has been to finish. And I feel like I've been doing a great job closing out those old chapters uh, in my personal relationships, in my professional, uh, in order to open up this, this new chapter. And um, right now we're in the fourth quarter of 2021. And so this, this is the time to finish that which you started, that which you, if you had a vision or a plan for this year. And so um, I didn't know it at the beginning of this year how it would translate. But when I started Habit to Greatness, I knew two things that I wanted to do. I wanted to double my income. So I was, I was still working as a teacher. So I wanted to produce as much of my business as I was earning teaching and was able to do that in the first couple of months, which was really powerful. Now, sustaining it was, was another challenge. Then I knew man, in order for it to really be viable, I needed to, to 10x it. And so right now we're in the process of 10xing, not just the revenue, but the impact, right? And so if nothing else, like modeling and leaving not, not just breadcrumbs, but I mean like whole bread stands, right? For people to be able to follow, like, this is how you make the bread. Like we got the baker there, he's got a full kitchen, right? I don't want there to be any question how you go about making these changes in your life. And if, if anybody's out there who's struggling with, how do I do the things that I wanna do? That's what, what happened to greatness in the Nation community are here to, to help you to do, to show it for yourself and just give yourself enough evidence that you're doing the work. Yes, because I think I heard you say accountability unlocks creativity. I love that. Man. Yeah, and I think that is something that a lot of folks don't necessarily tap into. If someone is keeping me accountable for the things that I say I want, then those things will come to fruition and I'll be able to see it. And I, and it helps me become, cause I'm a creative, mm -hmm. not an engineer, but I'm a creative. So that's <laughs> definitely where uh, <laughs> I know my lane and I'm happy being in that lane. If people wanted to find out more about Picard Bay and the H2 and the, how you, how you say it? H2G nation. H2G <laughs> nation. I like that, that there's a whole nation of, of H2Gers, that's great. Where would they um, well, you can find us on, on social media platforms at Habit to Greatness. That's H A B I T, the number two. Mm -hmm. Greatness. Uh, if you can't spell it, find me at Bakar Obey, B A K A R. The letter O is my middle initial, last name Bay, B E Y, uh, on social media platforms or my Instagram is Bobay. That's B O B E Y underscore world. Those still two texts, Habit to Greatness and Bobay World, you can you can definitely find and connect with me uh, directly. And I'm, I'm all about direct connection, direct communication, because I realize, you know, those interactions, you can you, you can only get so much information secondhand. Mm -hmm. Who wants it secondhand? We want to hear it from the want to hear it from you. 
<laughs> and, and I'll take it. I'll take it a step further. I mean, I want I want to help you get the information from the source. There you go. You know, and we all we all have a connection to the source. So if you need help connecting, come into the community. Right. There you go. There you go. For Car Bay. Mm. Thanks for coming. I appreciate you, Val. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you coming through. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interlude. To hear more about Bacar Bay and what he's grateful for, please visit the Interludes Podcast YouTube channel. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us and other special guests as we break down the latest topics surrounding music, movies, and sports every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production, brought to you by our national sponsor, certified dream builder Coach Glass. It's never too late to create the life of your dreams. To book your free dream assessment, please visit the website coachglass.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-G-L-A-C-E.com. When you book your appointment with Coach Glass, tell them that you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media. Thank you.